You were listening to episode 158 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we serve up some old-school justice in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So uh, this week, we're going to be playing a little bit of Quest Arrest, but... Our uh, guest this week that we have is uh, Barry at Premium Edition Games. We had Barry uh, probably about a month and a half ago to talk about Premium Edition Games and her Series 2 launch. Barry's back on this week to talk games with us, Nintendo, and of course, Series 3 launch. So Barry, Actually, I went back and looked at the old episode. It was back in June. It was really right after uh, Nintendo. And it was actually funny because in it, we were talking about handhelds and stuff. And it was like right after they announced the new Zelda Game & Watch. And then I just picked mine up last week. You know what it is? It kind of I bookended just, that time in between. I just talked to Barry, what, two weeks ago on Nintendo Fuse. So, I mean, it, it feels like not that yeah. long ago, obviously. But oh, Barry, yeah, what's up, man? You, yeah. <laughs> Hi, you know, thank you. Thanks for having me back. And you're right. Yeah, uh, Series 2 was back in June, uh, which is when I was on. But you're right. You were just a guest on, on uh, Nintendo Fuse podcast, which I also do. And uh, it was great having you there. And yeah, that was just two weeks ago. So <laughs> it was not long ago. And so I got the two right, Ryan. Two mm-hmm. months ago, two weeks ago, it's the same thing. <laughs> well, uh, Barry, I think you know via the spiel here and what we do here on the Game of Later. So, of course, we like to start off with our current pickups. So I'll go ahead and kick that off for us, uh, kind of get that f- flow going. So this week, I picked up It Takes Two. And when I say uh, picked it up this week, I picked it up about an hour ago because Walmart had it for 17 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, nice. yeah, so I grabbed It Takes Two for PS4. Um, I think it's coming out on PS5 or at least digital wise. Uh, but of course, like most uh, people in the US, I don't have a PS5. So uh, the other thing I got this week was some magic cards. Uh, so I'm trying to finish up that standard green stompy deck. Uh, so I got to trade Ryan for some stuff and then hopefully get into some standard tournaments here pretty soon. And of course, the last thing I picked up, which was yesterday and I completed it all. I grabbed a few D and D minis uh, for my campaign. So I've got a couple uh, shambling mounds that I picked up uh, that they're going to be fighting tonight. And I took it a step further than what I normally do for painting. So I did my whole painting thing and, you know, put it onto the base and whatnot, but I had like some green foliage from some fake trees uh, that I picked up a long time ago. So I took that off because, you know, shambling mound is supposed to be this like, you know, woodsy type of fey wild creature, which in this case has been dragged down to hell. So it's more of this like bloody grotesque type of shambling mound I have, but I figured, uh, well, let me go ahead and grab like this green foliage and super glue it to the bottom. Dude, it looks solid. Like, I'm actually pretty stoked of how it turned out. Yeah, once you start up in your base game, that's when you're really getting into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, let's go to Barry really quick, and then we'll cap it off of Ryan. What did you have this week as far as pickups are concerned? Uh, this is a busy week. Uh, I got, um, you know, Black Friday is obviously starting, but I got the two Star Wars double packs for the Switch just came out. The, mm. That limited run already did the singles. Now they did the doubles from THQ. Uh, Pokemon, of course, got the double pack there of uh, Diamond and Pearl. I got uh, Stardew Valley for the Switch actually got re-released with a more updated version on the cart, which I didn't realize. So I had to pick up that version now. Uh, on the we got Connect Tank uh, Switch and PS4 Natsumi title uh, just just recently came out and doesn't appear to be like easy to track down. It's weird, like it seems stock on that's low. So anyone collects Natsumi, uh, go for that one. Uh, I got from Red Art Games, Obey Me on the PS4 came out. Uh, the last uh, super rare 
three pack finally arrived at my door. Uh, so finally happy to get that. And uh, I, my wife has been mainly doing it except uh, instead of me, but finally completed my Animal Crossing Series 5 Amiibo set, which was way wow. more difficult than it ever should have been. <laughs> Nice man. Yeah, that's a that's a good bit of stuff for sure. Still been? I remember you saying that you've been picking up like every Switch game. Have you still gotten like every one? I have so far. I've every one U.S. release as well as every English release uh, that has either pre-ordered or has arrived. Uh, There's some exceptions that haven't arrived yet, like Rival Mega Gun from First Press. Other people have it. I don't because I bought the three pack. So I'm waiting for the third game to to ship my copy out. But um, yeah, otherwise I still do. You know, nice. Barry hurts himself in the pocket because he does all these premium edition releases for Switch. And it's just <laughs> like, hey, look, this is making us money. But oh, wait, I got to spend money on this, too. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 would be so wonderful. But, uh, you know, as a startup company, everything is we're really putting it back in to make it, you know, to yeah. be the best we can do. And, you know, for us, it's it's a hobby. We love video games so much. All of us that we're we just want to give back to everybody. We want to give back to these developers. We want to get some more attention to them and make cool stuff. We do yeah, awesome love games. stuff. Yeah, and it's fantastic. I mean, I think uh, was it Fenotopia, the one where the guy was like, uh, you had talked about Nintendo Fuse, where he had said, "This is like my dream. I didn't think this was ever going to happen, and you guys just made it happen." Which is yeah, fantastic. unfortunately, two other publishers, and he posted this in his blog. You can actually read it right in his website. Uh, two other publishers before us approached him, and they they were not happy with the digital sales because the eShop is just a sea of video games and we approached him afterwards and he told us like, Oh, you don't want it. This digital sales suck. And we're like, we don't care. The game's amazing. Let's do it. And, uh, as of this recording, we're sold out of the retro editions, you know, and that's how, that he's overjoyed. Like, Oh my God, people actually want my game. And I'm like, yeah, have you played your game? It's amazing. <laughs> Congratulations to both of you guys. Yeah. Nice. Ryan, Ryan, any pickups this week? Uh, Halo infinite came out this week, at least the multiplayer. So I did grab that. And it's like, it's free outside of Game Pass. Like, you could just download it. I don't even think you need, like, uh, Xbox Live Gold. I don't even know if that's even a thing anymore. I just I have Game Pass Ultimate, and I feel like I've gotten so much utility out of it with, like, just this last month alone. So, like, I, I'm just vibing on the Game Pass stuff right now. Yeah, so Barry, uh, instead of having to purchase games, Ryan got Game Pass, so now every week he has a new pickup because he just <laughs> downloads a new title. Well, I tried Gamefly and it just like it was too much of a hassle. Like I never felt like I was getting my money's worth out of what I was using it for. You know, Game Pass is great for people that just want to enjoy or experience games and maybe they don't have a lot of money. And for that reason, it's awesome. I'm so glad that it's part of the community. Uh, like for me as a physical collector, I don't subscribe to it because it's, I don't, I don't have time to play the games I already have, but you know, if there's, if there's a new title and I know my, my taste at this point, I'm going to pick it up. And if it's one I'm not sure about, I'll wait for a sale. Uh, you know, I, I played very little on my Xbox. Unfortunately, that's I like 360. I was all over the Xbox one. I barely touched in the series X. I think the most I've played is flight simulator just to mess yeah. around and fly around. <laughs> Well, and this is probably a better experience on a PC anyways, if you get a high-end PC on Flight yeah. Simulator. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, Barry, we'll kick it to you first here. Anything you're currently playing? Uh, yeah, well, when I have time to play, which I <laughs> haven't had much lately, uh, my big game is Shin Megami Tensei V right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loving that game. Uh, 
you know, it's it's just one of those. I feel like it's more accessible for newcomers to the series that they could just pick it up and they could play and enjoy. Uh, it's hard. It's it's one of those games where you could be fighting a boss and you're like, oh, man, next round, I'm totally going to kill it. And then they hit you with a move and it was one shots you and it's game over. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what the heck? So you do have to save a lot and you do have to prepare for repeats. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, Animal Crossing. I'm still playing Animal Crossing every day. It's now almost become a chore again. But I'm like, no, I got to keep doing every day. I got to do this. Got to collect all the new stuff. And uh, Pokemon Unite. Uh, I've been enjoying that one as well. Nice. Ryan, what do you got this week? You better say Super Mario Odyssey or I'm going to be angry. Yeah, so I beat the Food Kingdom and I did unlock the Bowser Kingdom. So I just got to finish that up and then I'm done with Odyssey. That's what um, you think. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. That's what he thinks. Yeah. And then uh, I did, like I said, I picked up Halo Infinite and I haven't played Halo since like Halo 3. I skipped all the Xbox One and everything and Halo 4. And man, like, I got a triple kill in my first match, and then I MVP'd in three losing Capture the Flag games after that. And I was like, I didn't think I was good at Halo ever, but apparently like, it's like riding a bike. So I'm super pumped to play some more of that. I keep going back and playing more Forza Horizon 5, Forza 5 Modern Horizon, whatever it is. That game's just so much fun. Like, It just makes you feel so cool when you can like hit those corners just right. And I keep... I just want to keep bouncing back between the two of those for the rest of the holiday. Once I wrap up Odyssey, I'll probably just spend most of my time doing those. So Ryan, I haven't been in a Halo server in I don't know how long. Is it still like, you know, congested with 12 year olds talking about screwing your mom or has everybody grown up and they're talking about screwing your mom uh, still? Just kind of I don't know. There was only one dude talking and he just every so often would be like, no, no, man, go this way or or something like that. And, and that would be about it. But it was just the one match too so i have a feeling that you know i don't know maybe i have like a toggle or something that you can turn on to like completely mute everybody i don't know it it was fine yeah i as i've gotten older and we had an episode a long time ago where we talked about like toxicity and gaming and uh i mean as we've gotten older i just started muting everybody unless it's like required but i have to talk to somebody so something like uh Apex Legends, for example, would be a good, you know, a good game where I have to kind of talk with people and collaborate. Um, I mean, the ping system in Apex is so good. You almost don't even have to, though, if you're good about using it. That's true. That's true. Uh, Regardless, uh, that's probably the only game that I'll touch. And oftentimes, if, uh, yeah, if somebody starts kind of telling me off in the middle of the game, it ends up not being a very fun game for them either. So it's yeah. usually how it goes. Uh, as far as what I'm playing this week, so uh, Barry, I don't know if you heard a recent episode, but I finally beat God of War uh, oh. earlier this past week. So congratulations. I know you're playing it two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I was going to go ahead and like beat all the Valkyries and do all that good stuff. I was like, oh, that's fun. I know, but I was like, man, screw it. Like, you know, do I need to sit here and 100% another game? And I've got Elden Ring coming out in February. So that's going to be enough like Valkyrie, Dark Souls type stuff for me anyways. Yeah. The Valkyries weren't necessarily like too difficult. The ones I faced, I think I faced about three of them and knocked all three of them out pretty quick. Um, but yeah, other than that. But then you get the like, queen after you get them all. You get to fight the queen and. Yeah, I know, I know. It's more so just, uh, you know, do I want to play other games or do I want to keep playing God of War? That's a very fair argument. So uh, I decided I would play the next game that was on my list, which was To the Moon, which uh, I went ahead and beat last night, uh, or technically this morning, about 1 a.m. So I knocked that out. That was pretty cool, actually. So I played that one on the Switch. 
And it's so Ryan, I think I talked to you about this too, like the overall concept and yeah, it's short and sweet. Yeah. These two doctors pretty much trying to piece together or dive into this like old man's memories as he's on his deathbed and kind of reset his memory. So he, he feels as if he's gone to the moon and uh, it's very much like a heartwarming type of story. There's a lot of crazy things that are going on in, in terms of like the relationship, him and his wife and, uh, lots of humor and such involved a lot of dark stuff as well tied to it about relationships. So it, it was interesting. I wouldn't say it's like my favorite game ever, but it was nice to kind of sit back and play a four hour title, get it knocked out, enjoy the story and kind of move on to the next thing. So I'm thinking my friend Pedro might be the next game that I play. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. I think I have that one on switch too. So I'll check that out. Uh, and then my wife and I uh, re-picked up, um, rise of a tomb raider on ps4 again so we've been playing that a little bit more um i don't even i can't even tell you where we're at but there's snow everywhere so if that's any indication to anybody out there where we're at in the game uh there's snow and we're at a, a gulag right now so that's about it so it's good stuff all right before we uh dive into our topics this week we're going to be talking about our top five switch games We'll get an update from Barry on uh, Premium Edition games. And then, of course, uh, we've got a fun article here about Nintendo almost making the GameCube look like poop. But before we start that, of course, find us on all of your favorite podcast applications out there. Uh, you can find us on thegamedeflators.com and, of course, social media at thegamedeflators on Twitter and Instagram, or Instagram and Facebook, and then at gamedeflators on Twitter. And then, Barry, if you want to tell folks where they can find you in, like, your... 10 social media profiles. <laughs> well, I only, only have one. Uh, my personal one is on Twitter at Hawk Hellfire. You can find me there. Uh, Premium Edition, you can find us on Twitter at Premium Edition 1. You can also find us everywhere else, Premium Edition Games, uh, Facebook, Instagram, all that. And then, of course, Premium Edition you know, Games.com, where you can pre-order our stuff. And then, of course, you can also find Barry on Nintendo Fuse Nintendo as well. Nintendo Fuse, yes. Let's... and uh i'm there youtube.com slash nintendo fuse where we do bi-weekly uh podcasts we do those live uh we do game reviews we do interviews with developers tons of fun stuff and of course nintendofuse.com we have news articles posted there as well good stuff all right so uh jumped into our top five switch games we'll let the guest go first so that way we could cheat off of him because he has a full switch library and then we can start picking from there uh so <laughs> barry what's your uh your top five switch games and why uh this is a really tough one. Uh, so number five, I would probably say Mario Odyssey. Uh, just it, it brought back memories of Mario 64 and seeing the 64 for the first time and getting to collect all the moons. It was just a joy, just a fun time exploring the 3D worlds. And uh, just I, I really hope for a sequel because that game is just so good. Um, now, the next two is really tough for me to pick which spot to go into i think i'm gonna have to put number four as Link's awakening uh Link's awakening is my all-time favorite zelda game uh from my childhood and it's mainly because of what they were able to do with the game boy and they did a great job remaking it for the switch and i still think it's the best story of any of them definitely tearjerker uh it was unique for its time uh did things before a lot of other you know, games did them. And uh, I love the way they did the remake. But I'll put that as four, with number three being Breath of the Wild. Uh, just it, you know, again, back to Zelda 1, that, that exploration that wears everything, trying to find things, hidden things are all over the place, explode, you know, being able to explore the world and 
just put so many hours and have so much fun in that game. And it was a very important game for me, uh, distracting me from a lot of real life stuff. Uh, and number one and two, again, it's tough to to put them, but I think number number two, I'm going to have to go with Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. Just a truly underrated series. Absolute something that every single role-playing game fan needs to play. Just an uh, expansive world, wonderful characters, wonderful stories, twisted every turn, very well done, <clears throat> uh, a masterpiece. And the only thing to me that tops it on the Switch is Xenoblade Chronicles 2 with Torna. Just again underappreciated came out in a very very tough year that launch year against breath of the wild and mario odyssey and and mario kart and splatoon and it was just overshadowed unfortunately and i it, i still feel it's a, a masterpiece has in my opinion an even better story than the first one you know the gotcha system is kind of hit or miss but overall just the music is my favorite soundtrack probably of all time just truly expansive and if you count torna in you know get to see the prequel see what happens uh just a masterpiece nice good stuff man i appreciate that like just hearing your insight especially on like xenoblade chronicles because uh that's one that i've been wanting to dive into i, I picked up obviously uh, the wii release and uh i need to get chronicles x and i picked up the definitive edition not too long ago but two is like i think it's out of print now isn't it yeah yeah, you're doing yourself. A, if you like JRPGs, if you like open worlds, if you like great stories, you are doing yourself a disservice by not playing these games. Hands yeah. down, I'll put, I'll I'll stand by that to the day I die. Well, I'm gonna jump in here with my top five, and I do have a couple multi plats, unfortunately. Um, just because hey, that's they were, fine. They were so <laughs> Takes good. Takes the pressure off of mine. <laughs> yeah, you definitely have a multi plat. Mine's a little more excusable. Uh, so I would say at number five for me is the Ori collection. I know it's on Xbox, but I mean, dude, I absolutely adore playing Ori. So much fun. So my wife and I, we're, we're going to play the next one, of course. I think uh, Will of the Wisps is the first one. And then it's, no, Blind Forest and Will of the Wisps, I think is the second one. So we played Blind Forest not too long ago. Absolutely loved it. We're going to dive into the next one. I have zero doubt that this game is going to be amazing. The next one. I uh, absolutely love that one. Uh, number four for me, I'm going to have to say is probably going to be smash bros. Primarily because I do love my fighting games. I think smash bros ultimate is really, you know, it, it ultimately is a combination of every single possible character you can think of other than Waluigi. And fairies uh, <laughs> are laughing, uh, but I, I think it's, when you kind of look back at the Wii U and, and what we had on there, it's just not as solid as this game in particular. Uh, so I've enjoyed my time playing that one. And um, yeah, as far as number three is concerned, I am going to have to say Owlboy is my number three. Love that game. Love the music. Love the sprites. Love every single component of that game. It is absolutely one of my favorites. I got the big box collector's edition when it came out on the Switch. And uh, definitely no looking back on that one. If you haven't played Owlboy, it's definitely worth picking up and, and trying. Uh, my number two, I, I was a little torn between this one, but Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. I love the Donkey Kong series. It's actually probably my favorite series or favorite franchise. And uh, yeah, I mean, this game was phenomenal. It, it really just kind of took me back to the old Donkey Kong Country games to an extent. You know, obviously there's a lot of things that, have been added over the years that deviate from the Donkey Kong series on the Super Nintendo, but I think it's still, you know, a nice homage to the classics and 
truly a, a top five for me. And my last one would be Mario Odyssey at number one. Uh, 100% of that one. Loved every single minute of it. I want a sequel as well. Uh, if they don't release a sequel, we riot. And uh, Ryan, I think after all said and done, you're going to definitely kind of have it in your top five as well, if you don't already. I, I So I don't right now. Um, we'll see how it goes. I think uh, for my number five, I'm going to go with The Messenger. And I think that's multi-plat. But I mean, I just had so much fun with that game and like a lot of what sells the switch for me is how fun games are in portable because i spend most of my time playing portable even if i'm just sitting on my couch instead of playing on my tv so like the messenger was a game i like really had a good time with um i gotta throw animal crossing on there next probably just because like i've always liked animal crossing but again like being able to sit there and have it as like a number two thing to do while like, you know, watching a show or just kind of like doing like a morning routine kind of thing and just fitting it into your day. I think that it's really fun for that. And I mean, it absolutely did gangbusters. Like you got to give it the props for just like what it did for COVID and like how it turned some people like around the creativity and the community behind it have like really put out some cool stuff. And I think that, um, it definitely deserves to be up there. I could just see Ryan in the morning sipping his coffee and pulling turnips. Oh, I've definitely <laughs> done that. Running around smashing rocks. <laughs> I've fallen out of it. I've, I fear going back to my villagers now. Oh, you know, but, but I mean, with all the new update, there's so many things they've added. I know. I, know. I need to go back. Um, next up, I think I'm going to go with Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, I played... A bit of it, I didn't get that far into it. Not as far as I got into like Monster Hunter World. Um, but I think that it's just, again, like one of the ultimate like portable games. Like if I was going to be stuck on a train going somewhere or like if I, you know, had like some way to commute where I could like play games or or something like that or going on a trip. Like this is the ultimate like you just grind to get gear and get good and learn and, you know, it's just that it has that cycle that you could just feed off of with it. Um, and then number one, I'm going to go with breath of the wild because it's like, it's a system seller, you know, any other game aside, you could sell somebody a switch on breath of the wild on its own. And I think that it's just like pinnacle of like what everybody was looking for. And, and they really made it happen for that, you know, launch. I have yet to play Breath of the Wild, but I do have it sealed on the Wii U, so I'm gonna just hold it aside for a little bit. Play the Switch version. I know, yeah, that, that's what I'm gonna do is play the fun, Switch whenever. Fun I can. fact: Did you did you get it for the Wii U at launch? No, I did not. Ah, uh, because yeah, there's a there's a little tidbit on the Wii U version, uh, just as a collector's point of view. If you turn it around and on the back it shows seven different controllers, that was only that was like the first print of it and is very very rare. It was a misprint. Mm. It was only supposed to have like a couple controllers. So check. And if you have all those controllers, keep that sealed. Oh, huh. no worries. I already did, but uh, I unfortunately oh. do not have all the controllers. Uh, okay. Well, and yeah. you got to later print one. Yeah, I did. All right. Well, uh, talking about our top five here, I think it's a good segue into uh, premium edition games. And, you know, maybe <laughs> some of these games that Barry's going to talk about will be on your top five in the future. Oh, yeah. Uh, so thank you uh, for, for those of you that don't know, Premium Edition Games, we are a digital or a physical publisher of digital titles for the Nintendo Switch. 
So we take digital-only games, we bring them out physically, and uh, give the attention to a lot of these games that probably slipped under your radar. So we launched early last year, or mid-last year, really, uh, with Series 1, which was Super Blood Hockey and Pigeon Dev Games Collection. Uh, as of now, Super Blood Hockey sold out. Pigeon Dev is convention only with what few remaining copies we have. Series 2, when I came the first time uh, with you guys, was this past summer with Demon's Tier Plus and a robot named Fight. And uh, there's a chance we might have some of the retro editions uh, up as a second chance sale for them later in December or January. Uh, they are being assembled now, so they should be hopefully shipping this week or, or next week at the latest, um, but hopefully by the end of November. Uh, that's our goal for all those that pre-ordered. And now we're here with Series 3. We're Series 3. We came out with uh, three games this time instead of two. We've got Cathedral, which we teased before, which is a 2D action-adventure uh, like Shovel Knight aesthetics, but with Castlevania elements and Metroid elements and Zelda elements. Uh, just in this glorious, uh, well-crafted world that's all interconnected. It's open world in the sense that you can explore a lot of it at your own leisure. Of course, like, you know, with, with Metroid, you need to have certain abilities to unlock different areas. And so you will have, you'll see like, oh, I can't go here yet. You'll have to come back. Um, these things are like the dungeons are just amazingly crafted. There's like the item of the dungeon, like in Zelda. So you see some inspiration there. And uh, it's like a, a good 35, 40 hour adventure to 100% it. Uh, you know, the bosses are tough, but they're they're not overly challenging in the sense of like, if you die, it's your own fault. You got to learn. Like you're talking about Monster Hunter. You got to learn, get good, uh, learn, the, learn the patterns. Uh, just a joy to play and joy to find all the secrets and hidden things. And, and I think if you enjoy these style of games, this is a, a must play. Uh, we also came with uh, Phenotopia Awakening, which I talked a little bit about just prior on this this podcast. This is a action adventure, uh, pretty much modeled after uh, or taking the inspiration from Zelda 2 on the NES. So it's side scroller, 16 bit, like pastel colors, a fully expansive world, dungeons and, and items and upgrades and quests and and just glorious hidden items and it's 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 massive. And talking like a 50 hour adventure here. Uh, and no one's really heard of it, which is unfortunate because this game is, again, another masterpiece. And we're so honored to bring uh, this out there. And then our last game we uh, announced was Mighty Fight Federation. This is a 3D arena brawler uh, in the vein of Power Stone on the Dreamcast. We really haven't seen those type of games since. Uh, it seems like ever since Smash Brothers came out, everyone's doing the 2D. So to go back to the 3D is really refreshing. You get uh, Crossplay online, so you can play against people on Steam. You can play against PS4, PS5, uh, Xbox. You, you can enjoy even on your Switch version. You could uh, has rollback netcode for online play, which is important for fighters. It's got 11 uh, unique characters, all with their own quirky stats, and then it's got five guest characters. So you got Toe and Earl. You get uh, Ricky and Kunio from the River City Ransom Kunio Kun series. You get ukulele, and you get Miriam from Bloodstained. So you get stages based on these characters, the music based on these characters, and they fit in the story, everything. It's all integrated. Uh, amazingly well done, crafted by an industry veteran. Um, the, the soundtrack has you know people who worked on like Mega Man and Sonic and you know franchises like that. So you're getting a killer soundtrack. 
Uh, all three of these games are open pre-order from uh, November 16th, which is obviously past, till December 16th. So as of this time, you still have plenty of time to order the standard premiums. They're $40. They come with the game, with the case, with inlay art, full color manual. They come with the slipcase and sleeve. And they come with a challenge card, where if you do the challenge, which is right from the developers, we'll mail you a physical patch as our way of saying congratulations on accomplishing your challenge. And uh, thank you very much for playing the game. Because so many people buy games and they never play them. They just keep them sealed. So we want people to open them up, play, and enjoy these adventures. Uh, also, all of our games are complete on card. So you don't have to worry about downloads or patches or anything like that. So all the characters in Mighty Fight are on the card. All the content all, you know, is on every one of our releases. So you're getting the complete game. Uh, we also have the retro editions, which are 60, which as of the time of the recording, only Mighty Final, uh, Fight Federation is left. Uh, we have very few of those. That comes with uh, an outside retro style box modeled after um, Mighty Final Fight on the NES. You've got the soundtrack, which is modeled after Power Stone's Dreamcast case. And then you've got a set of trading cards. We did a set of trading cards for this uh, release. You got set A in the retro box. You could also purchase set B and C separately. And if you take all 18 cards and you put them together and you flip them over, it makes a picture on the back, like the old school trading cards of like G.I. Joe, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles of the 90s. <clears throat> so we wanted a little throwback. Uh, the Cathedral and Phenotopia also had retro editions. They were, all the retro editions are limited to 500 on the website. Uh, so those are sold out right now. Uh, some distributors will get some, so there's always a chance to get those later on. But do not sleep on the, at least the standard premiums at 40 bucks. Uh, they are open pre-order. But once they are closed, uh, you know, I don't want you to be one of those people who say, oh, I didn't order. Is there any chance for me to get it? Because we can't guarantee how many we're going to have. It all depends on how many people order. So, you know, get your order in now and, and secure it. Um, because we, we still get people now. Oh, can I get Super Blood Hockey? Can I get Pigeon Dev? Can I get Robot? Can I get Demons Tier? And it's like, I'm sorry, those series are done. So, you know, maybe you can, maybe you can't. But we really want to do, you know, cool things. We really want to highlight games that we love and games that don't get the attention. And that's something we noticed really well with this series is it seems the majority of people had never heard of any of these three games. And that's really a shame because once they saw the trailers, they were all in. They're like, oh my God, how did I not hear about these games? These games are incredible. So, you know, hats off to the developers of these games. They're phenomenal people. I've had the pleasure of talking with them and we working with them through premium. Uh, these guys are the real deal and I can't wait to see what they do next. Hey, Barry, are you guys still doing like, I think you would do some for unboxings in particular if we would tag yes. premium edition games? Yes. So all of our releases, each series, if you do an unboxing video uh, showing what you get, showing the game, you, you could do it silent, but we prefer, you know, especially me because I have to watch it, uh, you know, talk about it, talk what you get, explain the things, you know, you know, even even if it's your first time seeing one of our games on unboxing, getting the surprise of, oh, wait, what? Like, I love that. I think the team loves that because we, we always want to up the ante with each of our releases. But if you do that, share it on social media, tag us, then send us an email at support at premiumeditiongames.com. Give us your order number, give us your physical address and, and link where you shared that unboxing. Uh, we will send you an unboxing logo patch. So series one, uh, the patch is our standard logo with the, uh, the oval. Series two, it's a logo, but it's designed... Uh, based off Nintendo Power's logo. 
uh, and Series 3, we haven't come up with a patch yet, but it's going to be something different. So each series has their own unboxing patch to collect, in addition to each game having its own individual patch for the challenge. So, you know, a lot of people are like, I want to collect them all, and that's great. You know, we want you to collect them all. These are free. We are mailing these out for free. There's no additional charge to you. All you got to do is show some love to the developers, tackle the challenges, show some love to the games, unbox it, and, and let us know, and, and help us spread the word because we are still small, we're still new, and this is our way of saying thank you. Well, and I mean, you really don't have a complete game unless you have that patch. Well, that's true. That's another thing. And and we've had people, you know, email us say, "Oh, I don't want to open it. Can you just send me the patch?" And it's like, no, you can't. If you want the complete game, you have to open it. You have to play. You have to do the challenge. These are not. We're sending them to you for free. All we ask is that you play the game that you purchased. <laughs> you you know, we, we're doing these because we love these games. We think these games are worth your time. So. Yes, enjoy the game, play it, uh, and have fun. And the, to me, one of the best emails I get is I opened like Super Blood Hockey. I opened it because you know I figured I'd just do the patch, and now I can't stop playing Super Blood Hockey because it's amazing, and I absolutely love this game. And uh, and to me, that's awesome because that means that you've now discovered a game you never would have played before, and now you're enjoying yourself. And who if would we could have bring thought? Play, who would have thought that opening your games and playing them would be so much fun? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And that's it. Like each of each game has its own unique quirks and, and like some of the challenges are harder than others. Uh, you know, series one challenges are relatively easy. Uh, we wanted to get people, you know, involved series two challenges. We, we found are quite a bit more difficult. So series three challenges are kind of in between the two. Um, but we still, you know, people, you know, been plugging at it in our discord. They're talking about it. Like, Oh, I'm working on this challenge. And when they do it, everyone like congratulates. And it's like an event. It's, you know, it's a, every community comes together and they, they cheer each other on and, Oh, can I have any tips or how did, how'd you do this? And working together to help each other collect the challenges, which I think is great. I love to see people working together. I still got a crack of my copy of a super blood hockey. It is sitting on the shelf, but it, you know, it's one of those things like I haven't cracked it open because I, I want to keep it sealed. It's I haven't cracked it open because I just haven't started to play it yet. <laughs> I mean, well, you understand uh, the whole backlog situation. I, oh, I understand the backlog. And I will say patches, patches are running low, but we did, you know, we didn't know what the, um, the feedback was going to be and the response was going to be. So series one, we ordered a little more patches because we just started off series two. We ordered less patches series three. We ordered less patches than people submitted Super Blood Hockey patches. So we 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 realized you know we ordered a little too many with them as we were figuring it out. But now we we looked at Super Blood Hockey, said X amount of people did it. We're going to do less than that X amount. So going forward, the series are going to get harder and harder to get those patches. It's going to be got to go quickly now if you get a retro edition or, or a deluxe edition and those are delayed we understand that so we are holding back some patches for those orders so it's not like thanks for supporting our bigger edition but we're out of patches screw you no we are going to absolutely hold some back till those ship uh and then put those into the allotted pool uh so you do get a chance but it's absolutely one of those things where going forward it's going to be even harder to get patches and you know eventually we are you know we're just going to stopped accepting patches for older games uh so super blood hockey uh that time is coming uh i definitely crack it up and play and you might be surprised a lot of people think super blood hockey is just a hockey game it's and an it's, RPG. A, it's, it's an rpg i mean the fact that it's a hockey rpg is incredible and to get the challenge you actually have to play the franchise mode which is the rpg so 
Uh, we want we wanted people to like to highlight that, so that's why we made the challenge there. You know, maybe maybe that'll be my next game that I play. That, that that'll be it. How yeah. how long is it to beat the R- the franchise mode and RPG component? I, I mean, it depends on how well your season goes. Uh, because <laughs> that's right, because your your players you're, can get injured, and you can have you, I think you, you have steroids in that too, right? You, you do everything stuff? you want with the players. You can you have to choose how to feed them. If you want to give them more healthy meals or more fatty meals, you have to choose if you want to pump them up with steroids or drugs. You have to choose if they when they work out, if they want to work out and get stronger. All this costs money, and you get money by winning games. And you get money by keeping your players healthy because if you, you know, a player dies, you have to purchase another player uh, and that costs money. And uh, you might have to sell some organs if you get low on money just to keep going. And uh, you can lose the game if you don't have enough players to play and uh, you don't have enough money to purchase more. You will get a game over and I won't spoil how that happens, but it's a pretty shocking way for a game over. Um, But you can win, too, of course, by winning the season. So Ryan, Sunday you are going to uh, record me opening up Super Blood Hockey so we can get that patch. Uh, but it sounds like Barry could just mail me one because he's got so many extras. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't even have the patches. <laughs> Jeff does that all by hand. All I do is I put everything in a spreadsheet and then he takes it from there. So all these nice. patches are mailed by hand. This is like a passion project for us. So we, he usually does a shipment once a month. Um, but again, it's just it's yeah, our yeah. way of saying thank you. We're taking our time to do this as our way of just saying thank you for supporting us because premium edition games would not exist without the amazing support we have. Yeah, I think uh, I think that'll be my next game. Then I'll crack open some Super Blood Hockey. I'll, I'll do a solid to Barry here and play it and give our review and all that good stuff. Yeah. Right. Oh, I really want to get involved. I totally missed out last time I wanted to get the uh, Demons tier and I, I missed out on it, so it's too late now. But I mean, you really sold me on cathedral and phenotopia and i just got to pick like all right which one of these do i want to get and then how am i going to get that patch do i have the drive <laughs> uh you get phenotopia i will pick up uh cathedral okay I gotta, perfect i gotta be that girl you know the little girl why not both right <laughs> <laughs> my wallet looks at you and says this is why well I mean, i'll get have... one for myself for christmas and i'll just buy one because i gotta there you go. You you have until December sixteenth, so I'm sure you know you can put a little bit of way every day. Or, or Christmas is coming, you could ask you know your wife and go. say, "Hey, you know this is what I want for Christmas." Yeah, but it has to be ordered now. Yeah, that's a good. If point. I if I told my wife I want another video game, she would point me upstairs. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. Uh, <laughs> no, she she plays her game or plays our games too. But uh, yeah, I come home with new video games, so she's like more i'm like yeah why not (laughs) you could never have too many (laughs) yeah exactly um all right well thanks for that update barry always appreciate having you on to give the uh the premium games um update really for series three in this case and uh looking forward to series four uh, coming down the road as well series four Um, is in development nice nice have you guys selected the games yet for that or we have selected at least one of them um, we are working, it all depends with the developers on their titles, when they're going to be ready. Cause like I said, all of our games are complete on card. So like robot name fight, we signed for a series one title and then we're like, oh, we have this big update coming with, with, with co-op and deathmatch and four players. And we're like, well, we want that on the card. We don't want people to buy it and then download. So we had to push it to series two. So if you buy a robot name fight, you're getting that update right on the card. So Mighty Fight Federation was one of those games where we we got it. We're like, this is going to be a Series 4 title because we expected more guest characters. Now, like, this is it. We're done. This is the last guest character. And it's all going to be ready for Series 3. And we're like, let's do it. Let's Roll it out. out 
So the series four game you selected, obviously you can't say what it is, but are you able to share with us what genre it is? I cannot say anything else that other than it, we do have at least one series four title um, planned and we, we will be doing, you know, our series are anywhere between two and four games. Um, so there will be more. Uh, we're always talking with developers. We're signing contracts. We're playing games. We're, we're in the negotiation, but it depends on when the game is going to be complete. Uh, and that's what we want. We want people to know when they purchase one of our games, they're getting the full experience. Whatever it is, it's going to be awesome. Of course it will. Every game that we sign, we all have to play. We all have to love. Uh, we have, because we have to be passionate about it, you know, and and if we can't, it's really hard to sell something that you don't like, but it's really easy to sell something that you love. Yeah. And, and that's just it. All these, which is, which is what I love about you guys compared to some of the other, you know, distributors out there is that you guys are actively looking at it from, you know, what are other gamers going to appreciate? Not necessarily in the case of Phenotopia, right? How many digital downloads you guys don't care about that because it's a fantastic game. So I think that's one of the key differences between you guys and and other companies out there and what you're releasing. We also go slowly. Uh, We understand like you were talking about with money, money is tight. There's so many games out there. One might say too many games. Uh, And it's one of those things where we understand that if we put out a game a week, it would be really hard to keep up. And a lot of people like full sets. I mean, all our games do have a number on the back. Uh, so you can keep them numbered. You can put them alphabetical. It's up to you, whatever you want. But we we understand that. That's why we do a series, pretty much a series every six months. I mean, we, I was here in June, uh, and that was the start of Series 2. It was June 15th. Uh, we, we announced it slightly before that in May. And now we announced this in, in November. And uh, here we are with pre-orders opening in November. So it's, you know, half a year apart. Uh, So we're expecting springtime will be series four around that period. But we will not announce a series until at least the standard premiums of the previous series have shipped. So the only way we're going to be talking about series four is when at least the standard premiums of Cathedral, Phenotopia, and Mighty Fight Federation all ship. Because we want our customers to know it's not like, thanks for the money, bye, haha. It's no, we care about you. We want you to get your games before we move on uh, to the next series. Have you guys found like uh, that it's getting easier now that you've kind of gone through? Or do you find that like you're trying to do, because it seems like every time you guys do one, like it's like better than like the last, like you guys keep like learning and growing? Uh, well, we're always learning and growing. Uh, series one was obviously you know, it was a lot of behind the scenes stuff of us learning, figuring it out. How do we do ESRB submissions? How do we do lot checks? Uh, Super Blood Hockey took two months to do lot check and we didn't submit it until well after we closed pre-orders. So that's why Super Blood Hockey was so delayed. Um, now, you know, games are pretty past lot check before we even announce them. You know, we try and stay ahead of the game. A lot of the art is done. A lot of the stuff is submitted because Nintendo has to approve everything. It has to approve cover art, inlay art. It's got to approve manuals. They have to read through the manuals. It has to approve all the art. Everything has to be done. Slipcases, the whole nine yards. So we have to we have to submit all that to Nintendo. And Nintendo sometimes takes time to get back to us. So we learned, let's try and do it earlier. As each series grows, we've also noticed we've gained more of a following. Uh, you know, series one, people did, who was these guys? Well, who, you know, what are they? Uh, a lot of people didn't want to trust us because of warned collectors and dispatch games and uh, physicality. They didn't know if we were going to be legit or not. Totally understandable. Now at series three, those, those worries are gone. We've got the four games out. We've got more of an attention, but we're still small. 
you know, we, we went to multiple cons this year and we always ask, hey, have you heard of us? And about 85 to 90 percent of the people there have not heard of us, maybe even 95 percent. So we're trying to get out what we do and who we are. And and in terms of that, which slowly going up, which is great. And in terms of developers, a lot of them have now heard about us and seen us and, and they're reaching out more. We have nice conversations. And I was talking with uh, Cathedral's developers during our interview and he told me he ordered Super Blood Hockey uh when we when we were in talks and he got it in and he, he said i was blown away by the packaging like yes absolutely i want to go with you nice. uh, talk, talking with mighty fight federation they said you know it was our our passion our drive they said that that sh- they chose us because they could tell that we are gamers we're, we're not just doing this for the money we're in fact we're doing this to help them and we're doing this because this is something we love and like your, your passion was infectious uh so we want to go with you we want to support you and to us that's like one of the biggest compliments we can get. So it's it's interesting. Sometimes it's easier. Sometimes it's harder in different aspects. But I'd say overall, we're, we're our only goal is to just continue making each series our new favorite series. Not saying previous series are bad because it's absolutely not what I'm saying. But I hope series four is my new favorite series over series three. So we're constantly raising that bar. And that's not going to have hit with everybody. There's going to be someone says, well, I prefer Cathedral over what you put out in series four. That's fine. You're welcome. I like Robot Named Fight better than I like Phenotopia. That's fine, too. You're allowed to like what you like. We're just going to do our best to deliver great games from passionate developers. And uh, hopefully you enjoy them. Yeah, and you guys are doing a, a good variety as well as far as genres are concerned. So, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of something for everybody. All right. Well, diving into our next topic here, uh, Nintendo almost made the GameCube look like poop. So uh, this is GameSpot, Eddie uh, Macook, I think is the name here. And so basically uh, what he talks about here is uh, when they were developing the GameCube or when they were kind of discussing artwork for the GameCube or not art, but art in terms of color, they had like 30 different GameCube colors that were provided. One of them being uh, poo-poo brown all the way up to like skin tone. And the, the feedback was like, like half of this stuff isn't going to sell. Like, what do we go with? And the ultimate decision was let's go with purple. Now, the thing that I found interesting in this article that they discussed is that purple was not seen as a masculine color uh, moving into like North America and such. So with that, they ended up releasing a black version and a silver version as well, limited on the silver. Um, ultimately, the color is indigo, of course, not purple. Uh, but before we, you know, dive into this, uh, what are your overall thoughts on like the final decision on purple? Barry, I'll, I'll kick it off to you first. I remember launch day. I remember getting in line Toys R Us, and they had a bunch of indigo and a bunch of black. And I bought a black one because uh, it went with what I was going for, like with my entertainment center. And I do remember the black ones selling significantly better than the Indigo ones. And I think in hindsight, a lot of people have that nostalgia for the Indigo. And and it's kind of almost had like a renaissance afterwards. Like at the time, people were like, oh, Indigo. But now it's like, oh, in, yeah, that, that was cool. That was the thing. It's like the handle. People made fun of the handle then. And now it's like, oh, it's kind of interesting. You know, the handle, it's, it gave it its own character. Uh I think that they should have made, at least in North America, they should have made black the dominant color. Uh, I wouldn't have hated a white to go along with it because black and white seems to be the the standards. But Nintendo has always been known for like the fun colors, the play it loud. So the indigo didn't surprise me. Uh, It's funny that some people don't view it as a masculine color when it's actually a color of royalty. You know, kings would wear purple. Like that was the color of, of, of kingdom. I mean, like you can't get 
any more masculine than ruler of a kingdom. Uh, so it's it's interesting how like pink used to be a masculine color too. Uh, it's kind of shifted, but you know, I, there was also a spice orange that only Japan got. Uh, we only got the controller for that, which again is a it's a unique color. I don't know why we didn't get that as well. That's um, my favorite one. That's just beautiful. And then, then there was other ones. So like Tales of Symphonia had like the teal, like the light blue one in Japan. Gorgeous colors. I wish we got more. The, the platinum well, was nice, but. And the uh, UK, I think, has a white one. Do they? Actually, yeah, yeah I think I'm the UK has a white one. I'm surprised we didn't get that here. I think black and white are like universal standards. I mean, even the Wii U launched that way. Yeah, it's but, true. Well, I mean, I mean, if you kind of consider it, right, you had the N64, which didn't have a white version. No, it's just black. You know, so I don't I don't necessarily think that, you know, I wouldn't have expected it back then. I think that things change, of course, when you had like the PlayStation 3 and, you know, the Xbox and all that stuff. I think that's when white became really that predominant, you know, here's yeah. our option, like white and black. Um, but yeah, I agree with you, man. Like some of those colors really should have launched into the United States. And it does kind of beg the question is it because the console wasn't selling as well maybe that they didn't release so many different colors in the u.s versus the n64 which had obviously a variety of colors variety. that were released out here i think the gamecube i i know they they had it was the last system that they really put power first with the gamecube and i think the thing that hurt it was piracy the small discs to prevent the piracy i think of nintendo didn't care about that as much and just went with standard size discs. The GameCube would have been a hell of a lot better of a seller. I also do think uh, launching with Indigo as the dominant color, even though black was there at launch, uh, all marketing had the Indigo. And I think in the, at least in the United States that did hurt it overall because people at the time were like, I don't want a purple system. Uh, you know, college boys did not want purple. They wanted black. You know, high school boys did not want purple. They wanted black. The, and they should have launched. They could have had the Indigo there. Just launched even the mar all the marketing material with the, the black. I think it would have actually sold a little more. I mean, well, then, I had a black one. And when I think about GameCube, I think about it in purple. Exactly. I didn't even own a purple one. Yeah. So it's like, but the just sense memory of just all the marketing and everybody that I've ever seen representing it afterwards just screams purple. And I mean, it's one of those things like I don't specifically remember for the GameCube, but I've been suckered in so many times when they advertise systems as like, here's a rainbow of Wii's. Here's a PSP for every style. You know, like they like to hype it up in the early advertising that it's like a potential world that you could live in. And then eventually it trickles down to being regional or something. Like I remember going to Europe and seeing like all the cool uh, like solid color Game Boy Micros. Like yeah. they had like green and red and blue and stuff. And then over here we had like black with a silver plate face plate or silver with a black face plate and then <laughs> other interchangeable face plates. But it's like it, they have, you know, I've, I'm a sucker for special edition consoles too. Like I love the diversity in them. And I think that if they made a chocolate brown GameCube and made like, a Wonder Cube candy line to go alongside of it, it would have gone gangbusters. Cross People would have literally eaten it up. <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, you could have had that that poop color. 
You know, all they would have had to do is on the the the, the like the plate on the top of the GameCube, which was interchangeable. They could have just made a poop emoji and been ahead of their time and just put it there. It would have sold. I was thinking a corn emoji, but the game know, that works too. Corn, corn emoji would have been a little too real. It, it, it would have that would that's a little too close to home. What? You'd have to <laughs> box conquers in. What'd you uh, say? What? A box conquers? Yeah. Two bed uh, conquers uh, was sold. Oh, that wasn't on GameCube though. Was it, it was sold. It was on Nintendo sixty four, and then Xbox. Yeah, and then it went through through the rare deal. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. um, yeah, you know, kind of looking at it, I do wonder if they're marketing. You know, to your point, the purple was that predominant color. Like, what if they came out in the market and said, "Here's three different colors." Here's what we have hit in the market. You know, do things change in that respect? Or is this a situation where because you had the Dreamcast that launched and failed at that point, you had Xbox kind of come out, you know, at the same time frame. And of course, you had the PlayStation 2 with all this crazy power tied to it, which I think the GameCube's technically more powerful oh, yeah. than PS2. Um, but it had a DVD player. So that's <laughs> there's the only that reason. component. Yeah. So um, and of course, I don't think we'll ever see something like that ever again, you know, given that DVD was kind of that that new mainstay it was right? that like generational it, jump yeah exactly and i don't think we'll ever have it again you kind of had that with ps3 and blu-ray no, they tried it, it was ps3 well yeah, yeah that's that's why i said kind of um overall it did sell uh it did outsell via xbox which was kind of yes, nice the, because microsoft stopped caring at the end and so yeah was throwing out uncharted 3 and last of us and all these yeah, exclusives yeah. at that end yeah, I think that that would have been a last generational leap you could have had in that respect was that generation. Oh, yeah. and, and Blu-ray, though, wasn't widely accepted because DVD was still such a big thing at that point. I mean, and so, everybody streams nowadays. So, like, really, yeah. if it plays DVDs, like, you you got something in your house that'll play a DVD or a Blu-ray. And you don't really need to ever upgrade it. Like, if you have a Blu-ray from five years ago, you're probably using the same one. Oh, yeah. Exactly, and if you have to remember before DVD VHS, like the difference between a VHS and a DVD was enormous. The difference between mm-hmm. a DVD and a Blu-ray is minor, and for the majority of people, they don't care. Like a DVD is fine. Well, I even, remember uh... like the first DVD I saw. I saw uh, Top Gun, and everybody was like, "Oh, well, now they have." Away. Isn't it like <laughs> Ultra? Don't they have like UHD yeah, Blu-rays UHD or now. something now? Yep. And and that's not even that widely accepted either because no. why do you need it? Why do you, you need know, it? it? Yeah. But but you know with with TVs now, you can't buy a non 4K TV unless you go higher. Like there's no it's really hard to find just an LED TV now. Everything is 4K or 8K. And nothing is broadcast in 8K right now. Yeah. It just it's it's got the capabilities, nothing's broadcast. So you can get a UHD play it on PS5, you can play on Xbox One, you can play it on a UHD player, uh, on a 4K or 8K TV, you're going to get some really cool stuff. But unless you're staring, looking like at a, a, like I say, a Best Buy where you see all the TVs next to each other, you don't notice the little difference. If you say, oh, this is just the regular Blu-ray instead of the UHD, unless you're some kind of super video file, you're not going to notice the difference. It's going to be fine. You're going to be enjoying the movie or the TV show or whatever you're watching. And a lot, it had to be filmed specifically for that too. You know, there's a UHD of this movie, but it was filmed in 4K or just in Blu-ray format. Then wait a minute, you're not going to get that. Oh, it's, it's converted. It's not going to be the same thing. Yeah. It's not a natural, res- it's not the natural resolution. No. So it's just never going to look the same. Yeah. I, I totally feel you, man. And I, Whole different discussion, obviously, than than GameCube and Poopoo Brown, but um, 
Yeah, it's definitely GameCube an interesting could have, one. Could have killed it if it came out. If it was a DVD player, if it was a, you know, black as a dominant color, if it was standard DVD size. I mean, there was the Panasonic Q, but we never got that either. Uh, yeah. We we I think that we would have a different discussion with the GameCube. The PlayStation 100%. was too big. The Xbox also had a killer app with Halo. The GameCube didn't there was no mario game you had luigi's mansion which some people weren't sure about you had rogue squadron 2 which was amazing but if you didn't have four Star wars that didn't come out until much later i'm That's talking launch. launch super monkey ball was fantastic but again if you didn't play that game or it didn't appeal to you you didn't really have much and there was a lot of games at launch but there was no killer nintendo app there was no this is the mario this is the zelda you need to play this at launch well, yeah. you also had, you know, the allure of games like Final Fantasy X coming on the PlayStation 2. Obviously, it was, you know, discussed at a later date, but I want to say pretty close to the launch of PS2, you got you had games like Eco that were announced yeah. and the beautiful games that are tied to that. And Sony really starting to develop itself as like this area where you can only play Sony exclusives, I think is where that started to really kind of take off was in the yeah. PS2 era versus the PS1. Because during the PS1 era, I mean, in N64, a lot of what you saw was each console had its respective exclusives. You don't have that you know, there wasn't as big of a multi-plat situation going on, at least I feel. Um, But yeah, PS2 is really what drove that home. And you're right. I think if GameCube has a DVD player, we're talking an entirely different situation right now. Sony likely selling far lesser numbers than what they ended up selling, uh, which at the end of the day, how does that affect the PlayStation 3 and their approach and the PS4 and so on? you know, that's the real trickle is when Sony came out with the PlayStation, it was such a huge hit, such a huge hit, just destroyed the Saturn and, and beat the N64, but the N64 held on. PS2 astronomical sales i mean it's the number one selling console of all time the dvd player helped that they were on top of the world they crushed the xbox they crushed the gamecube but that overconfidence is what led to the ps3 being so shitty at launch with with terrible launch games just a really bulky system confusing skews some backwards compatible some not what's going on here uh and that's what led to xbox coming out you know a year earlier and the wii coming out the same time both just destroying the PlayStation 3 for the good five, six, seven years or so before PlayStation 3 caught up. Uh, And it was really that overconfidence. And look what Sony did. They were down with the PS3. They launched the PS4, which killed it. And now they're arrogant again with the PS5, which is great, but they're still arrogant. And how long before that bites them? And Nintendo is the opposite. The GameCube was a failure. They launched the Wii, super successful, won the generation. So they figured we could do it again. Lightning in a bottle. Wii U didn't. Total failure. Now they went the other way. And now they did the Switch. And success again. Super success. So it really depends on if a company is going to continue to be arrogant and think that they're the best and whatever they do is great. Or if they're going to evolve and truly evolve for the gamer and make the necessary changes to keep people buying their consoles. Because it, it very rarely do you have two consoles back to back that are really successful. NES and SNES is one, PlayStation, PlayStation 2. Microsoft's never had two Xboxes back-to-back that were super successful. They only had the 360. Uh, at least well, I don't even think they've topped, they haven't even topped 100 million consoles sold, Ever. I think. Never. Ever, yeah. So yeah. I think Sony's done it, I guess, technically three times, right? Because I think the PS1 sold over PS1, 100 PS1, 4, and 2. Yeah. And Nintendo's done it with the Wii. They're about to do it with the Switch. And then, of course, if you count handhelds, Nintendo yeah. has done it with oh. the, the Game Boy and the DS. No, no comparison at all there. I mean, the PSP is nice, but it's no it's no DS at all. Oh, God, the DS destroyed the PSP. But oh, the PSP yeah. sold more than the 3DS. 
which of course yeah. destroyed the Vita, but the the 3DS did not even outsell the the PSP. I mean, the yeah. PSP did that well. Yeah. Well, um, you know, as we're kind of talking about these different consoles and, you know, you had mentioned the NES and SNES and 64, and we mentioned different colors on those as well. Out of all the Nintendo consoles, uh, Barry, we'll kick it off to you first here. What has been your favorite from a design perspective? That's tough. Um, honestly, I love what the Switch has done. I think the Switch is really well done, but uh, uh, I'm going to say... Any, the, the era between the GBA SP and the, the new 2DS XL, that whole thing, the whole clamshell design going back from the Game & Watch, I think has been my favorite overall design. And simply because when you're dealing with portables, the one thing that Sony failed to do with their, all their portables is to make it really able to go into your pocket. What I mean by that is when you go into the pocket, the screen is non-protected. You have a screen protector, sure, but it's exposed. Your phone is exposed all the time, um, but we have cases that kind of protect that. Uh, the PSP, the Vita, I don't know anybody that really wanted to put those in their pocket. They just felt like this is not a pocket system. Uh, and the Switch is the same thing. But those, that once they got that clamshell design of the GBSP and ran with it all the way through all the DSs and the 3DSs, um, I've loved that because I never had a problem putting it in my pocket. You know, the outside may get scratched up, but I didn't care. You know, I was carrying it around. I was especially like the 3DS with Street Pass, put it right in my pocket, no problem, pop it open, able to play. And I think what they were able to do with that, especially with the two screen architecture, I think was genius, honestly. And, uh, you know, we're probably never going to get it again, but I think it was genius for its time. Well, 30 years from now, when the 2010s, you know, are, are <laughs> a new thing, we'll get a new clamshell case. Maybe. Hey, Ryan, what do you got for your uh, your top design? Oh, Game Boy Micro. Game Boy Micro is like always my favorite. I just love it's so small. The screen is so crisp and clear. And it's just I had so many good times, like just playing that like. It's just always my favorite. I don't know. I love it. I got the. uh uh famicom one when i went to japan specifically because like i wanted to pick one up because they're so overpriced online and i love it so i would say for me it's honestly the gamecube from a design side uh very compact console very small easy to put wherever you need it to be so flexible for you know and in that era of the big entertainment centers and such that we had back then or small entertainment centers very easy to kind of put it where you needed to um, from a travel perspective, very it's got a easy handle. again. Yep. It's got the <laughs> handle. So, I mean, it's, it's meant to be taken places. And, uh, that's one thing that I always love the variation of colors while we only had like three main colors here, having things like the orange spice available. I mean, I think it's as simple as switching out a shell to be honest, if you really wanted to. Um, I love that component of it. The controller is absolutely my favorite controller of any Nintendo console that's ever been released. And frankly, any console that's ever been released, period, that is my favorite controller. Agreed. Uh, so all of that tied in 100% GameCube. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the GameCube. It was, it was great. Well, uh, so on from Poo Poo Brown GameCubes to a fantastic game uh, in Quest Arrest. Uh, so we had John Rue on a couple weeks ago. So catch that interview if you haven't yet. Uh, but John Rue went ahead and this is basically his his baby of this game. And so it's developed by the Retro Rue Room. 
or retro room room uh, published by the retro room room <laughs> and uh <laughs> i gotta talk to sean too many r's uh and of course it was uh designed he by did it all Roo of the retro room room uh so yeah he's got all of it uh you can catch him it's uh, at retro room room uh on twitter or at the retro room games as well i think he's got a uh, the retro room games.com his website but he released this back in February 2020. Uh, it is an RPG style game. Uh, it doesn't have any feedback at this point from a you know a very public standpoint. But I know that seeing things on Twitter, talking to people like you, Barry, uh, Ryan, myself, like the game is is great. Like it's a great little title. I mean, it really does shine what John was trying to do with this game. Uh, he talked with us about this was like his uh, immaturity in a sense and what he was putting out there was lots of poop jokes or fart jokes and such in a game. It's just uh, curse words. It's a good time. I mean, it's, it's got like this Pokemon vibe going for it. The good cop, bad cop, and like this attack system where you can arrest uh, different individuals, um, you know, along the way. And uh, it's, it's great. And what he was able to do as well with his title. So anybody hasn't picked it up, uh, he had a physical release that he actually uh, personally signed a number of physical releases for individuals. And just the touch that he has on his titles, uh, the personality that John has in general uh, really just makes this game. Like when you look at it from that perspective and then play the game, it just makes you feel wholesome in a sense. You know, when you've got the title in your hand and just knowing what John has done for this, knowing his background and then having that title in hand, it's just like it it bleeds like developer. Like, I absolutely love it. Uh, Ryan, what was uh, what was your thought on the game? Because you're fresh. You just beat it recently, I think. Uh, I didn't finish it because that wouldn't be on, uh, you know, brand for me. Uh, but I did play <laughs> much of it. Uh, I thought it was really great. It's one of those, uh, you know, small titles that you could pick up and just kind of sit down and play through pretty quick. Um, it is available on itch.io for free for anybody to check out. So, you know, encourage everybody to go out there and explore it. I think it's, um, it's definitely got, you know, that passion that bleeds through into it. Like it definitely is like a fun, lighthearted, you know, kind of, uh, take on, you know, I guess not not like super serious subject, but I mean, like it is, you know, a more modern take on like, here's, you know, you're a cop. You've got like this dynamic choice of how you can take and it kind of carries through, you know, people will treat you differently on how you kind of like whether you're arresting people or whether, you know, you're not able to actually apprehend them. So I think that uh, he did a lot with, you know, not a lot. And I absolutely love the physical release of it is so cool. And I mean, you know, that's uh something that Barry knows everything about too. Like it, it takes these really passionate people that make these games to put out these products that are, you know, just awesome for everybody. Yeah, yep. there it is. I got my physical copy as well. Well, Ryan actually, I've my, got it right now. <laughs> yeah. Ryan's got my cart, but uh, I've got my box of manual here at the house in a, in a glass case actually. Uh, Cause it's just such a cool piece uh, in general. Uh, Barry, um, I think the game is like three hours at most, if that it's been, I actually played it pretty close to literally when I got it, I popped it in my game boy and beat it that week. Um, it's, it's a fairly short game, but it's a, an enjoyable game. What is your opinion on it? Yeah, I, uh, I fell in love with this game. The first time I saw it, uh, got to talk with John, wonderful, wonderful person. And, uh, the more I found out about his story and the game, like it just made me appreciate it more. 
Because to me, is one of those things where you could take a great game and it's a, always a great game. But when you find out like the story behind the game and and the the struggles you know, that that a developer has to go through to uh, create it, I find it more important and more impressive. And what he was able to do with the Game Boy, I mean, you talk about limiting yourself to a system. You know, you can't get much more primitive overall. Uh, unless you went like Game & Watch or Tiger LCD handhelds or something like that, uh, or, or like crazy, crazy stuff like Palmtex, you know, Super Micro, but no one's going to do that. Um, he did a phenomenal job at proving just what the Game Boy is capable, uh, you know, of you can make a game like we talked about Cathedral, which is NES style, but that could not run in an NES. It's just the NES could not handle it. The fact that he limited himself to making it run on original Game Boy hardware is even more impressive because, you know, there's so many options. It's open world, you know, whether you want to arrest or, you know, a person, how they treat them and the good cop, bad cop, you know, doing these choices that I don't think we ever thought could be possible in a Game Boy game. I mean, I remember Pokemon Gold and Silver was like, oh, it has a day and a night thing? What? Like, (laughs) mind blown. What? There's different Pokemon at night. Uh, so, So to see this, you know, what he was able to accomplish as a, as a first game too. I mean, it's not like seasoned developer first game. Uh, I just fell in love with it. Uh, and I've been following, you know, the career, you know, this is my, my have the, uh, the physical, the first print that he did. And I know he, he did a couple other prints. Oh, and I love the fact that he signed each of them to make it a little more personal. Uh, and then he had more success with uh, the Evercade where he's got the exclusive co- color version on the Evercade which is really, really cool to see the game actually evolve. And uh, I'm, I'm interested to see where he goes with it. But the, and uh, he made it free. I mean, he did all this work and then he makes it for free too. So if you like, it's almost really like an open world style game, at least in the, in the city and, and having that choice of what kind of cop you want to be and, and a full-fledged RPG, uh, even if it's a shorter one, uh, I highly recommend this game. Well, and the cool thing, uh, you know, when, when I chatted with John is that he said that, as long as he's making games and it's his game from the very get-go, he is always going to release it for free. But he, of course, you know, and he does uh, the side thing for collectors, you know, mm-hmm. such as ourselves to pick up these copies and it helps him at the same time. So, you know, I, I would say that if this is a game you're, you're interested in, you know, play it for free, check it out, but support John and pick up, you know, a physical copy and look at his other titles. He's got gelatinous as well, uh, which is also a, a Game Boy game. He's working on um, a formerly unreleased game that was themed after Dune. So it's kind of a, you know, a, a continuation of the work that was done by that developer. And he's bringing that to life. And uh, he's also got a, a game on, I think, Super Nintendo coming out as well. Right. Barry, Super Nintendo and uh, Genesis. He's uh, I don't know if he's fully porting it or if it was a port that just never came out for Chips Challenge, uh, which was an Atari Lynx game. So bringing it to the Genesis and the Super Nintendo, again, in physical format to work on your systems. Yeah, it's really cool work that he's doing. And, you know, you as well, Barry, with like what you guys are doing with Premium Edition Games, just seeing, you know, what we have today in this community and and bringing out, you know, titles that developers are, are not able to get published and you guys putting that out there. John bringing titles that are, you know, formally unreleased and never could get this, you know, critical success out in the past. And he's trying to bring those to life. It's just an interesting time. Uh, for gaming in general right now. And I love seeing the behind the scenes stuff on this. Totally agree. 
Yeah. Well, Ryan, uh, so brass tax on this uh, complete in box right now is running at 3750 uh, for quest rest uh, peaked at $40 back in February of this year. A loose copy will run you 1082. It peaked at 1143 in February of this year. And uh, both of them are holding pretty steady in regard to price point. Uh, this is a pretty limited game as far as physical copies are concerned. Um, but, you know, when I look at this being a, you know, a free game as well, it's totally worth it. I mean, at the end of the day, right? You can't beat free, but what you can beat uh, free with is supporting a developer. And I think that you really can't put a price point necessarily on whether it's complete in box or loose. I mean, if you want to support somebody and you want to have this as a collectible item, pick it up for sure. Um, and if you just want to you know, spread the word and at least play it, you've got your ability to play it on the, the retro Roo or retroroomroo.itch.io. My biggest question is like, so people are only really buying this as like this small passionate project. How many of those people are getting rid of the box and manual? How many loose copies of Quest Arrest are out there that we can track it? (laughs) That's true. I mean, yeah, you've got got loose copies out there. I think John actually, if I recall, I'd have to go on the website, but I think he released a cart only version. Okay, because well. I was gonna say, if you're if it's the year 2021 and you are buying Game Boy games in box, I hope you're smart enough to keep the packaging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, I'm surprised that he did a cart only release. I, I want to say he did. I'm gonna check I right think now. He, just he might have. I think it's just about cost. Some people don't care. Like, like some people keep, especially Game Boy games, just loose games and they, they have their own system so to help it fit in uh, it's a little bit cheaper than making it with the box and manual and some people mm-hmm. are fine with that yeah I mean I personally I am as well actually yeah 15 bucks it says is a starting price for a cart only so you can definitely check that out and he's got let's see a complete in box right now he's got for $35 so actually it is cheaper to buy a, a box copy directly from him I actually sold out sorry about that <laughs> But you can buy a loose car right now for 15 bucks on his website. There you go. So definitely worth a pickup for sure. Um, yeah, yeah I don't just think right for this one. Yeah, I don't think he's printing out any more either of that title. So uh, definitely pick it up while you can. Okay. Well, um, definitely had some good fun here talking to you, Barry, hearing all the recent releases that you guys are working on. Absolutely. Looking forward to what's coming out in Series 4. Um also, uh, looking forward to having you on in, I guess, about a month's time here. Uh, we'll be talking to Barry as part of a Nintendo Fuse. He'll be on the podcast. And, you know, just be prepared. That episode, we're going to be doing our new games resolutions. So uh, what we do with that is any game that you have had in the past. So this is more of a backlog challenge, right? If there's a game sitting on your shelf that you've always wanted to play and you have never been able to or just haven't had the time, dedicate at least that you were if there's one game you can beat that year that's the game you're going to beat or you can just <laughs> lie to people about it that's what i do <laughs> you can't you're lie not about supposed it. to tell people that <laughs> every every single week last year was just like so you're going to beat persona 5 or persona oh 4? yeah oh, oh yeah 5 is amazing you need uh, to play persona 5 or was it persona Four? Four this was this was p4 golden for okay. uh vita i just it just became my sort of Damocles just hanging over my head. I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, we ended up, uh, so we had an entire episode. I played where we Blue's had, Clues instead. Yeah. <laughs> I played Blue's Clues on the PS1. <laughs> <laughs> so if he can't beat Mario Odyssey, he's going to play through us. Uh, no, Spice I'm Girls. almost done. 
All right. I, well, I think, I guess <laughs> it just as you're playing baby spice is sitting in the background, growing larger over <laughs> overlooking you as you play this game. I think it would be scarier if it was like sporty spice or something like that. How about just all the spice girls are just like growing <laughs> behind we, Ryan. You, you know, you know, the meme of like the couch with the white girl and the five black guys behind it. <laughs> that with the spice girls. behind <laughs> Ryan, Ryan sitting with Odyssey in his hands. <laughs> all right. We got to do this. <laughs> Ryan, do we have a white couch <laughs> I, i'm gonna i'm just gonna get started on playing odyssey <laughs> bowser here i come <laughs> they think there it's funny because he thinks he's so close to the end of the game right now i mean he is but he, he's not at the same time yeah <laughs> have fun ryan i'm not completing the game castle. i'm, I'm oh, finishing it we're not oh, talking about completing we're not talking about completing oh, we're talking dang. about we're not saying finishing. getting all the all the moons we're just saying okay. finish it. like see the end credits yeah okay i'll get there yeah, it's a good game. You'll like it. Well, uh, Barry, uh, before we uh, jump off here, do you want to remind everybody where to find you? Yeah, sure. Uh, so again, on Twitter at Hawk Hellfire is my personal one. You can find me uh, premiumeditiongames.com where you can pre-order our games. Of course, uh, Twitter at Premium Edition One and social media, Facebook and Instagram and all that uh, at Premium Edition Games. Uh, we have a YouTube as well. And then for Nintendo Fuse, you could find this uh, youtube.com slash Nintendo Fuse, uh, nintendofuse.com and on social media at Nintendo Fuse for Twitter and Facebook, Nintendo Fuse as well. Sounds good. Thanks, man. And um, of course, you can find us on the GameDeflators.com, all your favorite podcast apps, and then at GameDeflators on Twitter, at the GameDeflators on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, that being said, thanks again, Barry. Always appreciate having you on. Looking thanks. forward to having you on again. Um, this has been episode 158 of the Game of Flayers podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.